Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, Matt Roski is a guy that I've been following for probably the last six months. He's been in the game a bit longer than that, but as with, uh, I mean, I'm always, not always, but sometimes late to the party when it comes to finding really awesome fucking people. But I still think I'm fairly early on here um, with Matt. Matt is has been, really been making a name for himself in his rekindling of the lost art of electroculture. And uh, we dive into that and many, many more things. Um, his health journey and what he's discovered through really the, the brilliance of what the not-so-ancients knew, what many of the great teachers in the 1800s and 1900s knew, and how a lot of that information has been lost or uh, preferentially pulling out of our um, education system and uh, and just really thrown under the rug. So um, he is an amazing encyclopedia and a wealth of knowledge. And um, I, I find this podcast to be really, really fascinating for a number of reasons. Um, first and foremost, we are diving into electroculture. One of the things I've talked about at our farm is we want to combine the very best of ancient knowledge and modern technology and see how we can streamline these together. And to my knowledge, I mean, I know there's, there's plenty of farmers that are doing, trying anything that works. Um, but there are a handful of things that we know work, but there's a handful of things that we know do impact biogeometry. For one, we're going to get Doria and Dr. Ibrahim Karim on this podcast uh, this year for sure. And we'll talk biogeometry and deep dive that. If you guys want to know more about that? They did an excellent podcast on Living 4D with Paul Check. Uh, they've done a couple of them there. Biodynamics, biodynamic agriculture, agriculture with uh, from Rudolf Steiner has been working. I mean, he, he talked about this over 100 years ago. When he spoke about it, there was this was already a system of, of management with the land and understanding our role in it as the antennae that connect heaven and earth and, and really sing and bring the life into the land uh, with presence, with prayer, and with different practices. So biodynamics has been something that has been... Um, I mean, any one of these things, you get a fucking PhD in, basically. Like, there's a, there's a lot to learn about all of it, and I'm not a master of any of it. Um, but dabbling and getting to know some of these different fields has been really important, and I really think that electroculture has its place in with these with these other two, and, and many more. I mean, I'm forgetting plenty right now, but uh, the combination of these things, regenerative agriculture, structured water, and and really seeing how this implement any of these implements can start to to change and magnify what we're able to grow and what we're able to do with the land that's the stuff that i'm fascinated with i mean why not run the experiment we've got space to do it um and matt also has you know a genuine interest uh not just in in farming but in in many of the ancient tools and techniques and technologies that we've lost you know what were the ways that we harnessed uh prana life force energy and different different um means and methods of healing. You know, he's dialed into a lot of that stuff. He's got a really interesting background story as well. Um, I heard him first on Terrain Theory's podcast. He's been on twice. Those are excellent if you guys want more. And um, of course, David Avocado Wolf, who I'd love to get on this podcast as well. They did a fantastic episode together. And David's got a great podcast. So plenty to chew on here, plenty more to deep dive if you guys want to keep uh, going down the Matt Roski rabbit hole. Uh, he does cite a lot of books. We will link to those in the show notes, some of the authors that he's put up because they're just fucking rad. And like I said, you know, you can, you could, you could make it a curriculum for yourself to really deep dive any of these topics. And, uh, and I encourage you to, you know, like whatever's calling you, that's the thing. We I get this question all the time in fit for service. 
I got 20 books to read. Which one do I read? The one that's calling you. What do you where where does desire lead you? You know, it's the thing that you're most passionate about right now. That's what's important now. That's your win. What's important now? Um, it's not what you should do. It's not what you're supposed to do. It's not, oh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, three quarters of the way through this book and it's lost me, but I should finish it. Fuck all that. No, go, go to the book that's calling you and, and finish that one. So anywho, uh, Matt is awesome. I will be staying in contact with him. I'm guinea pigging some of his supplements right now, dragon's blood and, uh, crushed pearl. So we'll talk a bit about that, a bit about that at the end of the podcast. Um, lots to learn here. And, uh, I'm happy to have Matt on the squad as somebody that I get to learn from. Also, we've had another guest on this podcast, Ian Morris, who is an amazing sound healer. He's the founder of listening to smile. I'll link to this podcast in the show notes. He's the creator of the LTS method and frequency minded music. He's a renowned healer who has developed a unique approach to promoting wellness and self-discovery. The foundation of his methodology lies in frequency minded music and the LTS method which combines healing frequencies and sounds to create a relaxing and stress-reducing experience. He's throwing a very cool event here in Austin, Texas. So I wanted to, to speak to that. He reached out to me and asked if I could share it. And I said, let's share it on the podcast, dude. That's where, you know, Instagram and all the other shit's fine, but um, nothing wrong with it and plenty wrong with it. And, <laughs> but I, I'd rather give it, give it a, a voice here. So they're going to do a sonic meditation, which is a unique and powerful meditation experience that combines frequency-minded music with guided meditation session. Um, frequency-minded music is a coined, coined term from Ian Morris uh, from Listening to Smiles, and it's an innovative approach to sound healing that delivers powerful healing and promotes deep relaxation. So if you're wondering what this is, this is really cool. They're going to run this event here in Austin. So I'm going to link to this event link in the show notes. Um, I'll link to a YouTube video about what this is all about. And then for sound healers and practitioners, we got a lot of these in fit for service. And there's plenty of these that listen to, to plenty of you guys are listening to the podcast. If you want accreditation and you want to figure out how to do this for yourself, like how do I layer in these things into my sound healing, my from sound bowls to whatever devices you're using and create my own music this way, the entire next day, they're going to be offering that. So, um, and if you, you pay for the, the accreditation, you get to come to the sound healing for free, the sonic meditation. But you can just pop in for the sonic meditation like I'm going to do uh, here in Austin. So if you want to come meet me and Ian and the rest of the crew, I will be there. Uh, this is all going to be uh, Friday, June 23rd at 6 p.m. out in Bee Cave at the Flip-In Art Gallery. So again, I'll have all this information in the show notes. You can click it, find out more. Uh, Ian's a great dude. I'm so happy he's moved here and I'm happy that, that uh, he's somebody I get to be closer and closer with because he's doing really fascinating and cool shit with the science of sound. So check that out. Um, share this podcast with one or two folks that you know will appreciate it. You know, anybody that you know is, is dabbling with gardening or any of these things. And what's cool is, is Matt's not a, you know, big time farmer. I'm not a big time farmer either. I got 118 acres to work with. Um, not a huge canvas, but it is a canvas. And Matt lives in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I used to live for a while. And, and he's doing a lot of this electroculture stuff on his back patio of his apartment right now. Now, obviously he's got plans to, to scale this bigger. Um, and he's certainly worked at different farms where they have done this at scale, but it's really fascinating to see, like, it doesn't matter where you are, what your footprint is, what you have the ability to grow. You can scale this up and you can have the most robust, awesome plants possible by using these techniques. So check, check this out and share it wide. Also, uh, support our sponsors. They make this show possible. They're fantastic. I have handpicked all of them. If they weren't handpicked personally by me, 
They were brought to my table from uh, my assistant who knows me inside and out. And, and still, I got to try it on for size and I absolutely love the sponsors that we have today. Raw Optics is incredible. It was started by Matt Maruka. He learned about how important healthy light was from his own health challenges at a very young age, by the way. He was figuring all this shit out in high school. Uh, but none of the blue light protection glasses in the market blocked the right wavelengths of light. The only ones that blocked the right spectrum were literally safety goggles that no one would wear in public. Raw Optics made the first premium quality, science-based blue light protection glasses, and they are still the only premium blue light glasses on the market today. There's two lens types. Daylight for daytime is at the office, school, grocery store, and sunset for evening time. Um, I used to kind of scoff when people would wear these during the day, but the truth is, and, and I found this out from Matt, that they're a full-spectrum light. Like, we want blue light. It's full-spectrum from the sun. That's what helps wakes us up. Some of the man-made lights that only have these different frequencies of blue light and, and flutter and flicker and don't have the full spectrum, that too can give us headaches. That too can drain us. That too can make us anxious. And if you work in an office building, this is super important. When I worked it on it, I was geeking out wearing this shit all the time because of the fact that I didn't control the light. I wasn't the guy who installed it. I had no choice in the matter and this is where I wanted to work. So I had to deal with it. Most people that work in an office have to deal with it, but you can manage yourself much better with daylight lenses. And you're going to feel a difference virtually immediately. Um, the sunset lenses are also incredibly important if you are like most people and you watch TV at night. If you're on your screen after work hours and the sunset's going down, you really want to make sure that you're still allowing your body to create its own natural melatonin from its own natural circadian rhythm cycles. And leaning into that, um, you know, sun's up, I'm outside, sun's down, I've got no screens on. That can be pretty fucking challenging in the modern world. So it's really important that we use hacks like this. Check it all out, rawoptics.com. It's R-A-O-P-T-I-C-S.com and use code KKP for 10% off everything in the store. Next, we're brought to you today by one of our longest sponsors, Organifi.com slash KKP. Organifi has been a sponsor of ours from almost from the jump for pretty much the last three years. They have been absolutely incredible. We love these guys. Uh, I'm going to run it back with a podcast swap with Drew Canoli, their founder, and I can't wait for that. So be expecting uh, some fire there from, from our podcast together right here on Kyle Kingsbury's podcast, as well as on Drew Canoli's podcast. Drew's doing some really cool shit right now, but Organifi is as well, and they continue to innovate and make great things. As I've mentioned to you before, the red, the green, and the gold are, are truly the gold standard. So if you grab a sunrise to sunset kit, you're going to be covered with red, green, and gold with 20% off using code KKP. In addition to the 20% off, you'll receive a free 30-day sample of Pure. It's a 30-count and 30-count travel packs, which is going to clear your mind with this brain-boosting blend. Pure is made with natural compounds that help repair, protect, and feed your brain cells while addressing the gut-brain axis, support improved digestion, focus, and clarity. This is what I love about Organifi. They're doing, they're doing things that cover a lot of the bases. They have what you might call a pre-workout uh, that they partnered with the homies at Mind Pump Media for called Peak Power. And again, this covers a lot of bases. It's not just a pre-workout. It's going to help you with focus, performance, and hydration, which is great because we, we want all those. We don't want to start having to stack 40 different things. I will tell you, my personal pre-workout stack is Peak Power, a serving of red juice or two, and a serving of Mind Bullet. And uh, you can find out more about Mind Bullet, Mark Bell. Uh, just go there and use KKP at checkout for that. And you'll get, a, you'll get a discount there. But these are all incredible products. I absolutely love Organifi. They continue to innovate. Peak Power has a little bit of caffeine in it, about 100 milligrams. 
So nothing too crazy. If I'm working out late, obviously I'm going to ditch that, but anything up until about one o'clock or two o'clock, I can run this and still sleep like a baby. The red juice allows for energy support. There is uh, adaptogenic mushrooms and herbs in there. They have beetroot extract, which is going to help with more nitric oxide production, which helps with vasodilation, increasing the pump, all the good stuff that I want for my workout. Um, and, and really these flow very well together. They taste incredible. They mix really well in a shaker cup and it's super easy. I mean, if you've got, uh, whether you get a bag or you get these little, these little travel packs, which are highly convenient, um, you can take it with you, you know, wherever you're going, I've got a little goodie bag that I can mix up some goodies in with a shaker from my gallon of water and I'm ready to go. Check it all out. Organifi.com slash KKP. And remember to use code KKP for 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash KKP. We're also brought to you today by paleovalley.com. I love these guys. I'm going to talk about their bone broth protein, which has been an absolute game changer for me and my family. It is not processed with high heat, which can denature and coagulate the protein, making it harder for the body to absorb and use. It's important. They don't do it this way. Extreme temperatures can also destroy more heat-sensitive amino acids and other nutrients or make the protein resistant to digestive enzymes, which also decreases absorption. It's not extracted with harmful chemicals, which many on the market are. 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. These guys have sourced um, some of the best farmers in the nation that are all, all U.S. And they're all finishing uh, pasture-raised, grass-fed, grass-finished. You know, we've talked, we talked with Autumn Smith, her found, one of the founders from Paleo Valley, about this. Grass-fed is, is an unregulated term. You know, large collagen manufacturers are using this claim as well as pasture-raised when in actuality the animals are finished on a feedlot where they're fed grains, often from GMO corn and other nasty shit that we don't want in our bodies. Their cows are never going to have antibiotics, steroids, or hormones, and this is a critical piece. It's made from bones and not hides. Most companies use the hides because it is cheaper, significantly cheaper. When collagen is sourced from the animal's skin, we miss out on all the extra nutrients and restorative benefits of the bones. You want the bones. If you're doing bone marrow, uh, that's phenomenal. If you're doing uh, uh, collagen you know, in a glass where you're doing bone broth, that's phenomenal. If you're doing powder, you want to make sure it's from bones. So these guys have... Um, a flavorless, smell and flavor free that mixes easily in anything. 100% pure, no fillers or flow agents. They also have a chocolate one, which is fucking life changing. I mean, it really is. Like we we warm, and I mean warm. We don't boil. We just warm up a little bit of this raw milk from our Jersey cows uh, down in Schulenburg, Texas. Strick Farm is awesome. We warm that milk up. We mix in this chocolate bone broth protein, and it's the best hot chocolate you'll ever have in your entire life. The kids love it. They demand it. They want it all the time. We go through bags of this faster than any other supplement we have. And um, really, check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Uh, if you're not into milk, just mix it with water. And, and it's just it's one of the tastiest, best ways to increase collagen and make sure that you're repairing everything you need to repair uh, from the modern world. Check it out, paleovalley.com and use code Kyle for 15% off. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Use code K-Y-L-E for 15% off everything in the store. All right, last but not least, my homies at Buy Optimizers. Go to magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo, then use code Kingsboo in all caps for 10% off any order. Hey guys, here's a fun pop quiz for you. How many sailors throughout history died from scurvy caused by vitamin C deficiency during the time of Columbus? A, 20,000. B, 200,000. C, 2 million. Got your answer? Drum roll, please. 
Two million. Would you believe that two million people had to die before we figured that out? Here's where it gets crazier. There's another little-known deficiency right now killing millions of people around the world, and the disease it's causing? Insomnia. According to the study published by the academic press, magnesium deficiency is a leading cause in sleep disruption in both children and adults. The problem is not just any magnesium will do. Recent studies have shown that there are actually seven forms of magnesium, and our bodies need them in precisely the right balance for proper sleep. There is only one magnesium supplement on the market that has the full spectrum of seven forms, and it's called Magnesium Breakthrough. I got to tell you, when I take this stuff, I just feel on, like my body is finally getting something that has been desperately needing. To learn more, just go to magbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo and use this code KINGSBOO, K-I-N-G-S-B-U, in all caps to get 10% off your first bottle. If it doesn't fix your sleep, digestion, and energy levels like it did for me, or if you're not satisfied for any reason, they'll give you a prompt and courteous refund on the spot, guaranteed. Again, just go to magbreakthrough.com slash KINGSBOO and use KINGSBOO at checkout for 10% off your first bottle. Don't miss out. There's a good chance this is the missing link that your body's been craving. And without further ado, my brother, Matt Roski. Matt Roski, welcome to the podcast, brother. Happy to be here, my brother. It's so good. So you're you're out in Scottsdale, Arizona. I used to I had about seven years in that neck of the woods. Yes, it's a it's a beautiful place. If you like it, if you like it hot and sunny and hot and sunny, then that's pretty much yes, you'll enjoy it. You know, <laughs> I, I never imagined in a million years. I mean, I I think I went to ASU and fucked off, and hence the seven years there. But I got into mixed martial arts, and uh, my strength coach got me into health and wellness, learning from Paul Check, soil health, all the good shit. And I just can't imagine. It was easy for me moving to my mom's garage while I was fighting back in Northern California because I could just throw it in the ground and it would go poop and grow magically. You know, like it didn't take a whole lot of effort. Um, nothing really did there. But I remember, you know, like, like just being in that area, it's, it's crazy to think like there, there are farms there in Arizona that do quite well. And obviously there's not a ton of regenerative stuff that I know of in the Phoenix area, at least, but there's, there's plenty up North and Prescott and different places. So, um, it's a weird state in that there's so much different topography and different temperatures. And, you know, you got like 12 and a, th- 12 and a half thousand foot elevation peaks and, and, uh, in Flagstaff, you know, you just don't think of it when you think of that. I'm thinking like Grand Canyon, Red Rock, and that's it, you know? Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's interesting when you go around and you start looking at everything, like you just said, you have, you know, it's, if, for example, if we went up to Flagstaff, it's about 50 degrees cooler right now. You know, so it's wild. And then just all the different, like you said, the different climates that are all going on. And even with finding water, you know, they always talk about how we're running out of water, but there's water all over the place, you know. So it's interesting. You, wherever you, whatever type of climate you like, you can have in different regions of Arizona. It's, it's definitely fascinating. Yeah, it's a cool place. Well, I'm, I'm going to dive into, I've, I've listened to you, both your podcasts on Terrain Theory. They're excellent. I'll link to uh, the most recent one. Also heard you on my boy, David Avocado Wolf's podcast, which was just fantastic. And, um, you know, I've, I've recently gotten into regenerative agriculture and we're not too uniquely, but kind of uniquely trying to learn from the very best in all fields and combine shit, anything that works in a way that, uh, that, uh, most people are finding their, like their niche, like, all right, I'm going to do regenerative from Alan Savory, or I'm going to do permaculture via this lineage, you know, down in, down in Costa Rica, whatever the thing is. Um, and so, but I'm like 
fucking biogeometry, you know, from, from uh, uh, Dr. Ibrahim Kareem. We're going to have him on the podcast with his daughter, Doria. We've we fucking everyone on the farm team has these little necklaces, you know, just adds to the cult vibe, I guess, uh, which is comical. But, um, you know, we're into biogeometry. We're into uh, Rudolf Steiner's work on biodynamics. Uh, we're combining permaculture stuff from Sepp Holzer and Chad Johnson and working that in with with different animal based practices, you know, that flow more with Alan Savory style and and uh, Johann Sebastian, who wrote Man, Cattle and Veld. You know, just anything that can really work. And so when I when I stumbled upon the electroculture, it was I was interested and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that. And then it was listening to to you on these podcasts where I was like, man, there's a lot of parallels here. There's a, there's a lot of parallels because uh, I I have rabbit holed some of the 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 not so ancient works. You know, the last couple of hundred years on technology and farming and and many different things. And it blows my freaking mind on how much has been lost in such a short period of time. So there's a lot of things I want to cover on this podcast. We're for sure going to dive into electroculture. Um, we're for sure going to dive into scarcity versus abundance. I found that to be a phenomenal topic that you did on your last episode with Terrain Theory. But start us off on, on your life. You know, break us down. Like, wh- where did you start paying attention to this? This, you know, like there's more, you know, than meets the eye here. There's something behind the the veil that I can peek through and see. Um, tell us about your journey to get where you are right now. So I was in the health and fitness world for a long time. I used to own an old school bodybuilding powerlifting gym in Chicago where I watched people do crazy feats of strength, you know, deadlifting a thousand pounds, squatting a thousand pounds, pretty much you name it. But the energy is what synced us all up, right? And that's what I realized. We were all synced pretty much as one and kind of like a unit. And I never really understood that energy until I started coming out to Arizona and I moved out to Arizona. And I started, you know, getting into energy work, studying energy, learning about different things related to mushrooms, chaga mushrooms. Um, You know, I had a lot of different experiences, kind of like out-of-body experiences and kind of seeing like what we're being told doesn't make a lot of sense to what we've been told. And as I got into that, I got into my health journey, understanding GMOs, understanding toxins, understanding pesticides, understanding all this, you know, Monsanto, you know, DDT is good for me nonsense that they try to push onto us and everything else, which makes no sense, right? Because if we poison our food and then we eat it, we're poisoning ourselves, right? So it doesn't make sense on the long-term scale of those things. But as I got into that, um, we, we moved out to Arizona and I started learning all about pretty much everything related to energy. And I had an Akashic reading in about 2020. And this lady told me to look into crop circles. And that's kind of what started it all. And she goes, you'll just know what they, what, what they, what they'll do, what they look like, what it's trying to portray. You'll figure it out. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what that, what that's going to do. Now, this lady was about 2000 miles away in Ireland telling me this, right? She, but she's everything that she said was spot on for my whole entire life of the last, at that time, 35 years, right? Every single thing from like my personality to what I do, to going out in nature, to, you know, just everything. And I was, I was pretty blown away. So I started looking into crop circles. I started getting into pyramid energy. Uh, I, I researched a lot with Mary Hardy. She has a great book called Pyramid Power, which is just a phenomenal book that shows you how to build pyramids and do all this stuff related to pyramids. And as I got into that, I started dabbling into the work of Victor Schauberger and all of his work into basically electroculture, you know, at that time. He was studying vortexes. He was studying the earth. 
He was out in nature. He was a guy who just lived in the forest, right? And he understood that if we just replicate nature and work with it, that nature will work with us. You know, if we go against it, nature will destroy us. And, you know, as I got into all of his work, I pretty much dabbled into everything else from Justin Christo Flo, George Lakofsky, you know, energy, mercury, old world structures, cathedrals, antennas, all these different topics in which, you know, we're not taught about, you know, and I've learned we're not taught about that because the Rockefellers own the educational system. They created the general board of education and everything in which we've been taught for the long period of time has been, you know, a certain program to teach us, to keep us in a certain way. And as I got into this whole electroculture thing, I was blown away with Victor Schauberger's work because he showed that if people use copper gardening tools in their soil, and he presented this to different farmers, that they would yield more food, they would start to gather you know, more every single harvest, they would have less pests, their plants would be more resistant to things like droughts and, and weather alterations as well. And he presented all of this to the Bulgarian government at that time, but since they were getting kickbacks from a fertilizer company, they said, we can't go ahead with your plan on all your copper tools and all your copper designs and all that other stuff. Because he noticed that if you keep placing iron in the soil, you result in rust and decay. And that's why slugs start coming around. So he said, why don't we just use copper so we don't do all that? We don't heat up the soil. We don't have all that rust and decay. So he presented all of this and they shot it all down. And that was about the 1940s. And when I researched all of this, I realized this needs to be put out in the public, right? Like we need to bring this back. This is a part that has been lost after the World War II reset, right, a lot of information was lost during that period. And this was one thing that I realized that needs to be put forward because remember in 2020 and 2021, they were playing the whole food shortage game, even though they were stockpiling the food in the warehouses and things like that. But, you know, they were playing that whole game and it made me realize we need to take back our food supply. We need to take back our power, you know, and even you had victory gardens, right? 1940s, people were growing all kinds of food. They understood that they didn't need the grocery store. We've only became dependent on it in such a short amount of time. So as I pretty much went into all these different topics, I would buy these books and then just kind of start looking at the back of the book and find all the rest of the books and then collect those and then just kind of research something new. Now what I've been researching into as we move forward, which I've realized electroculture replicates, and this is the first time I've said this, but the replicating dynamos. Dynamos are these ancient, well, not ancient, but about 1800s, they were basically making these, these electric generators called dynamos. And electroculture is actually replicating a lot of that. So that's something to move forward also in the energy game, as well as our food growing game. But both of those that goes hand in hand. But pretty much now we're here, 2023, and I've seen people's gardens go crazy. People getting more food. People having absolutely remarkable results. People having more animals, more pollinators, more bees, more birds, more hummingbirds, all this beauty in such a short amount of time. And it was funny because I was looking at the, you know, you can see like uh, a key word, you know, how much it's grown and it's just gone through the roof. And it's because now people are taking a grassroots initiative to just try it and try something different, right? Than what we have been shown or told by our current system, which is completely controlled. Yeah, I mean, you, you said a, you said a lot in there, and, and uh, <laughs> I think we could choose many paths to go down. But thinking about, um, you know, there's a lot of things since 2020 that have become like painfully obvious, right? Like there's the, the cracks in the system from finance to education, uh, 
to to even government in itself. Like how much uh, how much of our control have we given away, and how much do we allow to take place on a regular basis? And um, you know, I'm really excited. I'm buddies with Mickey Willis, who did Plandemic Indoctrination. He's doing the follow up to that. That's going to come out. I think it premieres on the third, so it should be either right after this conversation comes out or right before it. But um, there's 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 so much that's there, and I think initially it's pretty hard for a lot of people to grapple with the amount of fuckery that's taken place, and to really see you know, that, that oh this this great reset that Schwab and a lot of these guys are talking about is likely one of several that has taken place that's that's reinstructed us on which way how we should live, what we're what we actually give away in terms of dependency, you know, and and there's a you know you, they, all all these things that get forced into black and white narratives are are missing the point. Everything has nuance and everything has grace. So it's not just, you know, collectivism versus individualism. Like there is an interdependent relationship that we all have as coming from one unique source. And at the same time, uh, if we go too far to one or the other, we start to go astray. But uh, looking into education and things like that, you know, there's, there's a thousand things we can say are fucking wrong. And really what I've been, what I've been leaning on lately as of uh, the, probably the last six months is what is right and what can we do right now that can engage what is right. And so I appreciate, you know, all the work that you've done on energy. I want to talk about your work on light as well, because I know that um, I've had uh, Matt Maruk on the podcast, who's kind of my jokingly, I call him the boy genius. He's been podcasting since he was 18 years old, taught himself all this stuff when he was in high school due to his own health issues. Um, but so much of you know, when we talk about energy, a lot of people can just put it off as foo-foo, woo-woo, new age bullshit. And the truth is, you know, you read the body electric, you read into, um, you know, any of these books that, that portray exactly what this bioenergetic living electrical interface of a system that we have is. Um, and yeah, frequency matters, light matters because it is frequency, sound matters because it is frequency. All of these things matter. They all can shift us in different directions. Talk a bit about what's wrong and then we'll we'll dive into what's right because I also read uh, The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg and just mind fucking blown. It was one of the best, most important things I've read in the last few years. And um, especially as we, you know, now move to 6G Wi-Fi routers and all the satellites going up and things like that. I think it's, it, these are important pieces to, to weave together. So with the, what the, what's wrong with the frequency is we have a lot of toxic frequencies, right? They all operate on the radio frequency level. Right. Just to make it really simple, our cell phones, our devices, our smartwatches, all these things, it's all radio frequency. Radio frequency has been shown to be very toxic to us. Right. That's what the whole 1919 Kansas flu. Right. Remember that when that happened, they were saying that, you know, it happened in Spain. It was originally happening in Spain. But in reality, the first ever case when that flu situation was occurring was in Kansas. It was in a military base when they first rolled out the radio. Right. So with the frequencies, our cells get impacted, our brains get impacted, our heart, our organs, all of these things. Right. And what's interesting is that when this was all occurring, when they were rolling out the radio in 1919, people started hearing voices. Right. They started locking a bunch of people up, basically saying like, oh, you know, you're picking up on these frequencies. And they didn't know that maybe they were the radio, but they start putting people into mental institutions. And the whole Kansas flu situation was just a rollout of a new form of technology, which started altering people's health. And then people started believing that germs were jumping all over. But in reality, the technology was being placed all over in different parts of the world. And everywhere that they rolled out these new forms of technology, right, a new form of an illness would start to occur. 
Now, they're all related back to, just like you said, just electric imbalances, right? It's just your body is out of balance electrically, and then you start to have an influence or influenza, right? Because that's where that term came from. The influence of the stars is where the influenza word originally came from. But, you know, when we look at that, these frequencies can play a detrimental role on our health. And what I've noticed, especially, is that when you go through the timeline and you look at all the times in which new things came out, you'd have something new happen. And I was just talking about this the other day with about the sun, right? We're always told that the sun is dangerous and it's, you know, it's, it's harmful and all these things. But what was interesting was in that book, The Invisible Rainbow, they talked about when they rolled out the FM radio, that people started getting all types of skin issues because of the FM radio, and there was no change in the sun or the ozone at that time, just the change in the FM radio. And then as you have that as well going on, you also had the rollout of the TV, the color television, which has been shown to emit x-rays, right? And this was all shown by Dr. John Ott with Health and Light. But, you know, so if a person's sitting in front of a television for six to eight hours a day, they're getting x-rayed the whole entire time. And so now we fast forward to our 3G, 4G, you know, 5G situation that we go on. And 2020, you have people losing their sense of smell, losing their sense of taste, losing their hair, right? Having nosebleeds, feeling nauseous, having all these ailments start happening. Those are all symptoms of radiation poisoning. And what was fascinating was in that book, The Invisible Rainbow, as you mentioned, they changed the diagnosis of radiation poisoning or microwave radiation sickness in about the 1920s. They pretty much got rid of that altogether. And it was only the United States that got rid of that. All the other countries still continue to tell people you're having sickness from your cell phone or from your device or those things like that. But specifically during the time in which all this technology was rolling out, it was impacting people. So, you know, when we look at the toxic frequencies, we look at, you know, Wi-Fi, you know, the pinging, the Bluetooth, the smart meters, you know, anything that's basically emitting on a wireless radio frequency, right? It's impacting our health. And so, you know, when we look at the toxicity that can occur, we see that it can impact the brain, it can impact the heart, right? The, 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 the creator of the radio, Marconi, died, or yeah, I think Marconi, Marconi died of heart attacks from his own device, right? So if we're bringing these devices into our home and pinging all these frequencies and connecting all of our home to all these weird smart devices and things like that, we're just bathing ourselves in this toxic frequency. And then we start to say, blame something else. Like I went to my friend's house and, you know, he made me ill. Well, you're sitting in your house that has frequencies pinging at a microwave frequency 24, seven, 365. That's what's making you ill because you're cooking your skin and your cells and your organs and all of those things. And as these things continue to keep rolling out, because like, for example, here in Scottsdale, they just love putting these towers all over the place and they're just putting them, you know, almost every 50 feet, you know? So when we see that, it's like, it's not to give you better service, right? Because you could just plug your phone in and have service, or we could just use a land phone and you could have service. There's a lot of different options, but in reality, it's just, in my opinion, it's, you know, it leads to another it, it leads to increasing an industry which is already making a lot of profits, right? And then causing people to have health ailments that they don't know where it's coming from because they can't address the root cause because they don't have a control, like being out in nature where there's zero frequencies at all. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot to chew on. Uh, we've talked a little bit about light before in the past, but it'd be good to touch on that as well. You know, from, from the blue light perspective, 
I loved your discussion on incandescent bulbs versus how LEDs work. I'd love for you to bring that up here because I think it's it's a it's as important, you know, as ever. It was a few years back when we first when we first had our son who just turned eight. Now we we got some amber bulbs for like thirty bucks on Amazon and started working with those in lamps. And then you know, blue lights were just the giant red goggles at one point. And now they've gotten to look a lot better. But even still having kids, like I'm not gonna put fucking goggles on them or glasses on them at night. Um, but having the lights, you know, we don't use anything overhead and the kids know it. They know like, oh, the night lights, the only thing I can use at night. This lamp is the only thing I can, they know which one to turn on and which one to turn off and, and what not to use when the sun goes down, the sun's going to bed. And so are we, if we need a light, we're going to use one of these other lights. Uh, I think that's a, that's an important piece. Many people look past, you know, like a lot of people think like this is biohacking community geek shit, you know, like for <laughs> somebody who's trying to edge out, you know, another uh, uh, milliseconds faster in their 5k. They're going to, they're going to pay attention to shit like this. And it's, and it's funny. Cause like there is a high level of health professional that's really geeking out on this stuff. And at the same time, um, this is like foundational principles when it comes to how we adjust our environment. If we think of lifestyle choices that we're making, you know, all right, we're going to have spring water. We're going to ditch the tap water. We're going to eat healthy, organic food. We're going to get rid of the processed stuff. Like these are, those are the low hanging fruit, but so's, so's the light. It absolutely is. Yeah, the light is really crucial. And there's a great book by Dr. John Ott called Health and Light. And he studied everything related to light. And it was very fascinating, his results. He showed that if you take certain colors of lights and you put them on a plant, it'll actually turn the plants all male or all female, right? So if we bring in a new spectrum of light, including the blue light and all this digital LED light and all of this stuff, are we changing our entire terrain overnight, right? We, we don't even know what will happen with that. He also showed that they had those things called crime lights, which they used to put all over the city, and they actually induced more crime than when the lights were actually put there because of the spectrum of the color. He also showed that, for example, when prisoners are placed in a certain color, like a pink and a purple, in about 15 minutes, they will absolutely go completely insane and try to harm people because of the color spectrum. So, you know, these, these colors make a very big difference on our health. And remember, McDonald's, right? McDonald's use black, yellow, and red. Those three colors make people get, you know, get in, get out. Now they've muted down their colors and changed them so that people will stay for longer because they feel more comfortable because of the color spectrum that's all around. But in this book with Dr. John Ott and Health and Light, he explained about how even with children, right? They always talked about with children, we don't understand why certain children in the classroom cannot pay attention. And what they showed was, was kids who were exposed to fluorescent bulbs, about 10% of those children all suffered from an attention uh, span disorder at that time. And what he noticed was, was when you took lead, which is something that they banned, and that's a whole nother topic, but when you take lead and you put that in front of a fluorescent bulb, right, those spectrums of light of, that's coming from the fluorescent bulb are now blocked, which are actually causing the attention span disorder that that child is having. And then that child begins to be able to pay attention again. And he showed that those kids who were sitting in the back of the room, taking their head and just kind of like, you know, hitting it on the table and whatever else, they would go into the front of the class and they would tell all the answers as soon as he just put that little lead film on top of those lights. You know, so with this whole push that they're trying to move us into of these LED lights, right, digital light. And I was, I was just thinking about this the other day. We've removed artificial flavoring and artificial colors for the most part. They're still out there, but it's a lot, obviously, a lot less. But now we have this artificial light, which is this digital light, right? And this thing can produce all kinds of colors you've never even seen before. 
right? Like even you look at the new phones, they are a color spectrum. I've never, I don't, you can't even actually look at them. And that's because this is a uh, digital light, but this whole LEDs are going to save the planet. LEDs are going to do this and all of that and everything else. It's interesting because, you know, LEDs emit microwave radiation. So that goes back into that invisible rainbow book we talked about, right? So you're bringing in a light, which is emitting microwave radiation. And it says it on the box, right? You can just turn over the box and it says a little warning sign right on the box that shows that. Now, where it gets really strange with these LED lights is that you have these smart bulbs and bulbs that actually have cameras built into them, right? So now you're kind of moving into a time in which when you install this smart bulb, there's a little terms of agreement on there that says Alexa, Google, Microsoft, all of that. And your data is now being connected into the bulbs and then into this system. So your Wi-Fi, your devices, they all sync up, right? And that kind of moves us into a social credit score, tax, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, where basically they could determine, well, you know, Kyle's been cooking too many times this week. You know, we got to shut off his electric because he's using too much energy. Right. And that's kind of where that light spectrum pushes, which is interesting because those lights were supposed to be saving us and saving the energy and all of those things. But now those lights are being used as surveillance. And also, too, when they break. Right. There's a special clause on these bulbs. And this is what's nuts. There's a special clause on these bulbs when LED lights break that if you are harmed by the bulb, you have to go through like a 10 step process. You have to wear a mercury mask. You have to turn off your air conditioning. You have to evacuate the premises. You have to call on a special person. And if you don't go through all of those steps, you actually can't sue for damages if those bulbs cause you damage when they break. So, you know, when it comes to this whole narrative, we see that there's a lot more on this side that's not being shown with the light spectrums and all this kind of surveillance and those things rather than the old school, just incandescent bulb, right? We have incandescent bulbs in the house. You just plug them in and that's it. And then you can read a book and you can do whatever you want. You know, they're very soothing, very relaxing, very calming, right? But these LED lights, they mess with the mind. They keep the mind up, right? They mess with the melatonin levels. They also have been linked to cataracts, right? So if every person installs LED lights in their home, well, then the cataract industry just went through the roof. And that's what I've noticed is certain things will get replaced that are good and we'll replace them with something else so that all these new industries open up or the adapter to the adapter to the adapter without addressing the root cause, which was altering the light spectrum and bringing these things in our house. Yeah, there's there's I just think about they you know all the technological advances that we so-called keep advancing with and at what cost, you know, there, there, there's always some some piece of this. Uh, new tech that's awesome, and maybe if it's good, it's going to actually do what it's supposed to do. Um, but what what do we have to pay for in the back end? You know, how much of this convenience is paid for on credit, where we're going to get the thing we want now, and at the same time, there, there's going to be an added cost, you know, a debt to pay back later. Let's talk about some of the things that 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 are right, you know. And, and I loved your conversation, you know, about abundance. I would love to talk about first water. I've only had one conversation really about uh, briefly about it. Um, with my buddy from from Alive Water, Chris. Um, but I'd love to talk about you know you, the 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 post you had on oil that got flagged. You know all these things because I think this is an important reframe for for a lot of people that that do get locked into that. Holy shit, there's not enough. It's going to run out. We're going to reach a certain date, and the Earth is going to fucking cook or whatever the thing is that they're that they're shooting towards us right now. So with that, I mean you know at one time I was in that frequency, right? And I can admit that at one time I was just 
glued in, right? Like to everything is just like you just said, it's, 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 you know, doom and gloom, right? Because that's what they want us. They want us in that frequency so that we're not using logic. We're in fear. And what I've started to realize is there is an abundance of everything. And that includes oil. That includes food. That includes water. That includes energy, right? Everything was free when you really think about it before about 1910, right? All those little occur occurrences that happened in about that time. Everything was free. And I put up a video of showing oil coming out of the earth, right? And it was these guys showing, they went out into the desert and they showed the oil just bumble it up and it just keeps coming back out. And I was explaining how the oil is unlimited. They only put a price tag on it just to manipulate the price. And it was interesting because that video got flagged and they said that, you know, it's not abundant. And I'm like, but it's showing that it is, it's coming out of the earth. And it was interesting because I had a couple people who messaged me, they go, I work on an oil rig and we all know this. Right. He goes, we go on the rig and the thing will start to go away. There might not be that much oil for that day. But he's like, you come back in three days and it's just piling right out again. You know, so I'm getting it directly from the source of who people are handling the oil. And then there were a couple other videos I shared where they said the exact same thing. They just said it in a different language. And it was the exact same thing. The oil is everlasting. It's always abundant. You know, so I realize, you know, we're never running out of that in the first place, that whole dinosaur thing and fossil fuels and, you know, it's going to run out, whatever. That's a narrative being told to us. So it can move us into the electrical movement, which is also owned by the same companies who do the oil, you know, so it's a, it's a swinging pendulum. But then so next you have, you know, the water situation, right? We're told about we're running out of water and, you know, we, we're, we have to we have to preserve water and, you know, it's going to run out. And it's interesting. I've showed multiple videos where springs are just gushing tons of water, tons of water all the time. And this was in the book, New Water for a Thirsty World. It was also on the primarywaterinstitute.org, where they just showed that we're never running out of water. There's water coming up from inside the earth 24-7, 365, right? And what's really fascinating is when you get into dousing, right? So dousing is what they used to do to find materials such as water, silver, gold, anything. You can douse your health if you want to as well. But in about the 1950s, you had Lake Elsinore running dry, right? And the people in Lake Elsinore, they started freaking out. You know, we're running out of water. What are we going to do? Let's build some pipelines, right? Because that's what we always do, build pipelines from one place to another, even though there's stuff directly below. So they tried building a couple different pipelines in Lake Elsinore. And what happened was, was all of the pipelines went dry, dry. And they started freaking out. So this dowser came and said, why don't you just, I'll douse the land. I'll take my rods. I'll find the water for you. And wherever I show you, just pump right in that spot and there'll be water there. And it was interesting because the geologists who were there at the time when he was out with his dousing rods told them it's woo woo. You know, we don't believe water witcher. Yeah. It's all pseudoscience, you know, whatever else. And he goes, honestly, there's water right here. I do this for a living. It's right here. So they still didn't believe him. They tried to build another pipeline and whatever. It went dry as well. So finally, they gave him the benefit of the doubt and they drilled in that spot. And what's funny is within three to four months later, that lake was completely refilled and all the water came back. And when we take it a step further about how we're not running out of water, the two main categories of people who use dousers to find unlimited water are the petroleum and energy companies and the medical companies, they actually call out dousers to find them unlimited water because think about it. They need water all the time for all the stuff that they're doing, whether it's cooling or whether it's making these pills, 
What's interesting is on this side, the medical spectrum side, they actually use deionized water, which is water which has been taken, the electrical structure has been taken out, and then they give that to the people. So they start with structured water, which is primary water coming up from the earth. They take out the electric conductivity and then bottle it up and sell it to people, right? So what's it going to do? Take out the conductivity in their body. So it's interesting when you get into water, we're never running out of water. You know, it's just, it's just, we're on a water planet where there's water all around. It's everywhere. You know, it's coming out of all different types of places. And that was another one I realized. So people, if they're trying to find water, they can go to a website, findaspring.com. And they can go to springs, collect tons of water, or they can find a, a primary water vein on their land and drill in that spot and have unlimited water too. And usually about, on average, I've noticed with well drilling, the well drillers who drill about 650 feet and below know that there's unlimited water, right? Because that's how they're going real deep. And that's usually where the water that's always regenerating is located. And, you know, if the water was truly running out, why doesn't the canal in Arizona ever change the percentage, right? At all the times in which all these drought things were happening, the water's still there. It's exactly the same feet and height that it was the entire time when we weren't running out, supposedly. So, you know, that's another one. So I'm, I'm big on, on the abundance and knowing that there's unlimited. And as I got into food, as I moved into that one, I started realizing if you knew how many people are growing food right now, it's absolutely crazy, right? So 2020, you had people searching for gardening. It was about 150,000 people, right, when all the nonsense began. Then you go to 2021 and 2022, you have about people searching now, maybe about 300,000 people, right, searching to garden, do their own thing, whatever else. 2023, you have about 2 million, right? Damn. Such an increase of what's occurring. And this is a shift on the planet as well, too, right? It's not just we all decided we're just going to look it up. There's a shift occurring because people are kind of fed up and over it. And what I've noticed is, is the amount of abundance and the amount of food that is present is nowhere near what we've been told with the grocery store, right? The grocery store chains are keeping us dependent on that chain, right? They don't want us to go away. So they, they need us to keep coming back. But there's so many people growing food and there's so many people teaching each other how to grow food and talking and creating communities. And electroculture has really revolutionized this, right? Because I have people who message me, they are on the 50th, the 50th floor of New York City and they're turning their whole balcony into a garden, right? People who, even if they have a little, a little amount of space in their, in their basement, are trying to grow potatoes, Right? Even if they have an apartment, even if they have what, whatever it may be, they are attempting to grow food. And that's what's occurring because people have realized that our food system, between all the pesticides and the microwaving and all this other weird stuff, and the lights, the lights diminish the nutrient value and when they're sitting in the grocery store right, by up to 95%. So think about that. You know, So that's another one as well. But with that, you know, there's an abundance of people growing food. And I've seen that, and it really made me realize that when they keep trying to say, like, oh, this thing's gone and this, you know, warehouse is gone, there's so many people growing, right? And it's just, it's just not talked about because, once again, it puts us in this fear state and keeps us in that frequency of, you know, I'm going to go to the grocery store and there's going to be no more tomatoes, you know, and it's, it puts you into this state. But it's not really like that because if you grew tomatoes, you could have hundreds of tomatoes. I mean, I grew stuff on my balcony. And I, I've done all different types of things. I grew a moringa tree 12 feet tall on my balcony. I mean, just in a little pot, planted pot. 
So the abundance can be for all. And then as we move just to the last one, which has also been flagged. So these are all, all four topics I've talked about, which get flagged on social media. And I've noticed the new one is abundance, just even saying that word, or unlimited. That word is also flagged, right? So, And it's funny because I'll say it and instantaneously the thing comes up and says false and misleading information. But anyway, so the last one I talk about is energy, right? And this is a really important one because, you know, we're always told about the, you know, the energy, our systems, our grids, all this other stuff. And when we look at these old world buildings, you know, these cathedrals and all these different old world buildings, a lot of them use mercury. A lot of them had brass balls in them. A lot of them had dynamos in them. A lot of these cathedrals used to be power plants, right? They used to have pipe organs, which the frequency and the vibration can create energy and electricity and all these beautiful things. So even on that spectrum, right, there were people who were creating all different types of devices, which were actually gathering atmospheric energy. And it's interesting when you get into the patents, they actually used to send balloons up into the air with a little copper wire, and they would collect the electricity that was up in the air. And they also had, if you look at the, the 1900s with Chicago, they had windmills, right? Absolutely gigantic windmills. I'm talking like 20 to 30 to 40 of them or whatever it may be, but absolutely massive. They understood the wind energy, right? And then you had dynamos, which can work with water and steam. And a perfect example of how we, we used to have this technology is look at Jay Leno. Jay Leno has a steam, steam car. So we could be using these different types of energies so that we don't have to be in this fear state. And these are the four topics in which I've been talking a lot about. And all of them have been getting censored because it's all taking us out of that fear state and showing us that we have abundance and we should be able to resonate on that instead of the fear, 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 fear. Yeah, they're, they're massively important. And uh, the energy one is one in which I've been pretty, I mean, I've been, I've been glued to it just from, you know, the, the, some of the more exposing documentaries that I've seen, like uh, the original Thrive and uh, Thrive 2, which I think went a little bit more Pollyannish, which was okay, but I like the first one a bit more, you know, it featured um, some of the greats, like an early David Icke talking about, you know, the, the design of a one world government and totalitarian control, which if you've been tracking has, has kind of panned out, <laughs> we're starting to see more and more of that, of that uh, dystopian future start to unfold. And um, yeah, I've, I've seen some old videos. One was six hours. I can't remember the title, but it really dove into the old school architecture, you know, like the, the giant, you know, archways as used and, and magnetic conductors of electricity, how they all had these giant antenna on them. And then of course the mercury that was used with all of them. That's pretty mind blowing to see that this has been, you know, a way in which we've utilized things for a very long time, even old school, like massive, uh, greenhouses that were like crystalline glass and also had the antenna. But just for the sake of us staying, you know, in, in on time and, and maybe closer to the topic that I brought you on for talk a little bit about, or a lot of it about how electroculture works when you got into that and how simple it is, because, you know, we've added, and this is very early on, but this is something that I plan on talking about since hearing you on, uh, on a couple of podcasts, we've added some 12 put 12 foot pole uh, poles, basically that were natural wood from the land that we used for an altar. We repurposed them. We've wrapped them in decently thick copper wire all the way up. We've put them around our market garden because the market garden was struggling really bad. And what we found, even with the squash and some of the things that like to run outward, they're all growing up like ultra vertical, ultra strong right now. And, you know, we had to change soil and do some other things, but it, it appears almost immediately that there was a significant change. And, um, 
And that's rad because like we haven't done, we have a 400 uh, fruit and nut tree food forest that's on three acres and we haven't even really begun. It's, it's in close enough proximity, but like we have some ideas on how we're going to section that out electric culture wise using sacred geometry and doing a bunch of shit. So I want to pick your brain on that, but um, dive into this because this is such, you know, I love things like what is right. I love it when it's accessible and it's easy to do and it doesn't cost much money. Like it's like that. All right, cool. Guinea pig it, right? There's no excuse not to try this. Well, and that's the thing is it should be simple, right? Because nature is simple. All we're doing is replicating nature and nature, everything is very simple. But as for electroculture, what you describe, what you're doing is you're building an electroculture atmospheric antenna, right? It's gathering all of the energy, the ether, the chi, the prana, all of this beautiful energy that's all around us, right? It's The earth is always resonating energy, right? Much more than all of these man-made products in which we have. Right. And what you're doing is you're tapping into that. So what you do is you get a piece of wood, the taller, the better. Right. A lot of people get six foot or 12 foot, uh, different rock, different pieces of wood. And you want to usually find a piece of wood that's in your backyard. And I say that because your wood picks up on you. Right. All your plants pick up on you. They're all synced to you. And this was shown with Marcel Vogel and all of his work and everything that he created. If, if you guys want to go into that one. But with that, what you're doing is you're taking a piece of wood. You're just wrapping it with a piece of copper all the way up, creating a coil. And you would take the top of the coil, you can point it up towards the sky. You can even put a piece of quartz on top of there if you want. And you can wrap that and squeeze that so it creates a piezoelectric effect. And you'll take the other part of the copper that's all wrapped down and just place it into the earth. That's it. Nice and simple, nothing crazy, right? And you can do all different types of designs. The fun part of electroculture is you can get creative with it. You can use different shapes. You know, you can do different types of pyramids. You can do different heights of antennas. You can use different stones, right? You can use lapis lazuli, right? This stone, lapis lazuli, is a combination of copper, iron, and pyrite, right? And a lot of buildings used to be built out of lapis lazuli. So what's cool is when you add stones also to your antennas, you're giving a color spectrum from the reflection on that stone. And what you just described is there used to be a lot of buildings with crystal, you know, tops, right? And each crystal top of those buildings of an indoor garden used to have different stained glass windows and different colors in there to provide different color spectrum to the plants. So when you're making these antennas, you're basically taking a piece of wood, wrapping it with copper, sticking it in the earth, and you can place them all over the place. You know, you can kind of figure out where you want to put them, right? Because your instinct is going to tell you, or you can do dousing rods. And what you'll start to notice is, like you said, the plants will start climbing up the antennas, but you'll also start to notice more pollinators, more bees, more birds, right? More bunnies. They all pick up on this energy. And it's interesting. I've been showing a lot of videos now where people are sending me pictures and videos of all these animals sitting next to the antenna. And they just sit there the whole time, right? Like they they don't move. They just sit in that spot. And that's because... When you place that antenna into that spot, now you're increasing the energy to go up into the air and then come back down and you're creating a spiral. And the reason I say it's creating a spiral or changing the ether is because I've had a lot of people where they've sent me the food that they're growing, let's say like a burdock root, and it's completely wrapped like a vortex now. And it's because what's happening is the roots are now spiraling and just like your squash are now spiraling instead of going all flat out. So with electroculture, you're just simply, like I said, putting a piece of wood with some copper. And if you want to take it to a step further, you can add quartz or different types of stones. And if you want to go even higher, you can add things like basalt, which is volcanic ash and paramagnetic clay. 
or bird sounds. And bird sounds are very healing for your garden. And that's another one as well that's a very beneficial. Hopefully the uh, the plants like chicken squawks and, and rooster calls because we were adding 100 chicks uh, tomorrow, actually. They, they were hatched today and should get in tomorrow. 20 ducks and four geese to go to with our, with our 35 hens that we got already. So, and then of course, you know, we've got a lot of other birds that are there. Everything's opened up. We've, we're growing so much more than we need. I, I mean, I don't, you might be familiar with the guy, uh, Ice Age Farmer. He's posted a lot of good stuff on YouTube the past few years. Uh, unfortunately, I think he's, he's, you know, been silenced or gone underground. Uh, that was the last that I had heard about him. But he, one of the things he said that really resonated with me was that we must move from being only consumers to then becoming producers. And the rule of thumb is simply produce more than you consume. If you're doing that, then you're creating, you know, you, we're, we're creating parallel systems that, that can keep us in play here. I have this book right here, The Power of the Powerless by Vaclav Havel. And uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's an important read. I also have another book here that I haven't cracked yet, um, but I'm wondering if you've read it. It's called Cure, and it's got the C and the U um, encircled. It's all on copper in the human body by Morley M. Robbins. Um, but I, you know, I've been hearing so much more. Before I got out of the game as a supplement developer for Onnit, one of the, the hottest new things, I can talk about this now because I'm, I'm done, but one of the things that we found, I'd go with my buddy, uh, Eric Guerrero out to Supply Side East and, you know, we'd have our Onnit badge and we'd hide it so people wouldn't fucking geek out and come over. And uh, we'd just talk to different people in the supplement game that were, you know, had a unique, novel, really cool form factor on how they're extracting uh, or fermented beet extract, things like that. And, um, and then figure out how do we want to apply these to our formulas to create something unique and novel that combines a number of these ingredients. And we found a guy that was working with copper that just blew my mind. And it's funny because uh, <laughs> you're in Scottsdale and my life in Scottsdale was a lot different than it is now. But I remember looking at it and I was like, you know, he's like, uh, he, he loaded up a little key of it, right? And it was, it was supposed to go under my tongue, but I was like, we're doing bumps. And so I just ripped this copper and my fucking whole body felt like it was buzzing. I was like, holy shit, just lit up. And then people were looking at me like, what's this fucking guy snorting, snorting over there? But I mean, I'm telling you right now, like that, there are very few things, especially, you know, creatine has been out for over a fucking decade. Like if a supplement works, people find out about it. Very few things have come out that have been that under the radar. And it's a form of copper, um, that makes his different. But even if it's not, you know, copper plays such a critical role in the body. It makes sense that it would play such a critical role in the soil and with the, the health of the plants as well. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is what you were describing sounds like alchemy or monatomics, right? They usually make, they, they have the copper go through a process. They cook it and heat it up, turn it into a white powder. It basically, it, it leaves the spectrum of our world, right? It, it basically vanishes and comes back and that's monatomic. So that's, that's what that sounds like. And that will do that, right? Because when you go to consume that, you are turning on the electrical conductivity of your whole body, right? That's why people used to wear gold. That's why people would wear silver, copper, Right? Oh, they would wear different stones. Different things emanate different frequencies, and they heal the body on, a, on all different spectrums. And they provide nutrients in which we don't talk about, right? Because even when you're doing that, the process with that copper, there's other minerals and other nutrients that come out too that light up different pathways. But as for copper healing, yes, it's remarkable. I mean, even just drinking out simply out of a copper cup, you know, even getting a copper watering can, right, so that you're keeping your, your water energetic, Right. They used to drink out of, for example, brass. Brass used to be another one. You look back at the 1900s, everybody had brass cups. 
you know, they were drinking out of that. That was considered holy water. That's where that hole came from. People would have a brass vessel. They would let the water sit in overnight. Within 24 hours, it would begin to structure itself, and that would provide them with copper and zinc, and both of those act as a battery, right? And same thing with our bodies. One of the biggest nutrients that we are missing is copper, right? We have all these PVC pipes in our houses now and all the other stuff than when we used to have copper pipes, which would provide energy as well. But it's interesting because copper goes into your skin, it goes into your brain, it goes into the synapses, everything firing, right? And it, it, it's a conductor, right? So, you know, with even with grounding, right? If you take, for example, a piece of copper and you stick it in the earth and you stand on it, you will instantaneously ground like that, or like just as very, very quick. So if you wanted to heal faster, copper can be very beneficial for that. And when I started getting into all these things related to it, it's also something that's missing in our soil. We're putting so much iron Iron, 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 and iron just blocks everything up, right? It just makes everything hard to work with. It makes the, the soil all clumpy and everything just very difficult to work with. But copper, on the other hand, increases the electrical conductivity and gets things going. So same thing in our body, right? If we have copper in our body, all everything starts firing again. If we put a lot of iron, we're gunking everything up, you know? So as I was getting into all these things and learning about this, you know, I also studied into monatomics and alchemy and things like that. And it's just, yeah, there's stuff we have no idea or it all has been forgotten, right? And that, that guy you just described sounds like a guy who he's doing something that's a forgotten technique, you know, or not talked about. And those things can be very, very healing because they're lighting up all pathways at the same time. And I actually had an experiment or experience where I was consuming lots of monatomics and, and going through that. And at one point, I could pretty much tell you what was going to happen next. Right? If we were sitting here and let's say your child was about to walk through the door, I would say your child's about to walk through the door and then your child would walk through the door. Right? That's how in tune our bodies can actually be. And I did this with a buddy. We were actually sitting in a parking lot and we, and we tested all this and, and I started you know, scaring him with this and whatever else. But it just made me realize how in tune our bodies can actually be and how disconnected we have kind of became because we've lost a lot of our micronutrients, which have just kind of gone away and all of those things light up different pathways. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Even just thinking about, you know, the, the, the iron issue is certainly a big one, but everyone's popping zinc lozenges left and right and zinc and copper compete with one another. So you, you take in a 30 milligram whopper of zinc anytime you get sick and you're just dumping any copper that you had in the body to let all this zinc in. Um, so balance obviously is an important factor in that, but I haven't seen, you know, uh, one of my buddies, uh, Shervin, who started symbiotica, like he actually has in his zinc elderberry, a whopper of copper. Like it's, 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 it's in there by design. You know, he didn't leave that out cause he didn't want to throw people off. Um, what do you see as kind of the way forward? We've talked a lot about, or you've, you've spoken a lot about this and I have in my own circles around, you know, the, the, the the Sith Lord and the, the great reset. And then on the other side of this, we have the great awakening. Um, the balancing of these things, you know, and, and we, maybe we can talk about cycles of time too, because I think that's an important piece here, but um, really when it comes to the great awakening, where do you see people, you know, it, really showing up in this? Because one of the things that's become painfully obvious over the last three years is if you don't want to know, you don't want to know. It's like, you can't, you can't grab, you know, your, your fat friend and haul them to the gym. You can't take your buddy who's an alcoholic and get him to do a boga. You can't do any of these things that they don't want it for themselves. 
They have to want to see it and they have to be willing to take it. And then hopefully they have enough of the good tools to help balance and clear a lot of the shit that they're going to take in, um, coming to understand what you and I understand. But where do you see, you know, the great awakening going if this, if this is to be happening and that, you know, we have a lot of people switched on now and intuitively they understand, all right, food is getting fucked. We can't depend on grocery stores. We're going to start it ourselves. And, and through that, they deepen their relationship with nature and, and that leads to other things. I mean, that's, I think that's one avenue that's very important. Um, where do you see that great awakening manifesting in the world? I mean, I see it in pretty much every spectrum at this point. You know, I mean, social media is a great example just to show you how much things have changed over time, right? And just in 2020, if you posted something, 99% of the people would go against you, right? Now, 2023, you post something, 99% of the people go with you, right? They're like, okay, I, I see that. You know, but on the spectrum, I mean, people growing their own food, definitely one thing. I see people building things differently, right? Maybe not using the same materials we used to build homes and do things with. I see people getting more into their clothing and the frequency of their clothing, right? And what they're wearing, understanding the benefits of like wearing linen and how healing it can be, you know, for pain and inflammation and static and things like that. Um, you know, I see things with that happening. I see people getting more connected, like I said, even into metals, right? Understanding different things related to metals and materials and just, you know, people starting businesses based on it too, right? Like I have people who are making all different types of uh, necklaces and different types of things, you know, and, and getting into just reconnecting with each other on a different way, right? Because we were very disconnected in 2020 and, you know, and everything else. And now I feel like people are connecting a lot more. And then if, with the same thing with we were talking about with the food abundance, people will then be able to give food to one another, right? Which then also helps support one another. Because what I realize is, is there's also a lack of positivity, right? We have so much, like, it's honestly the, the you know, the, the doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. And that's, that's obviously a program. That's Operation Mockingbird doing its thing. But, you know, there's so much positivity and abundance all on this side. And I see all of those things occurring all the time. And I see, I even had a nine-year-old tag me on YouTube, who's doing electroculture, <laughs> showed his squash, showed how big it was, and he's walking around with his camera, you know, and showing and everything. And it's just, it's, it's hilarious to watch him, you know, because the camera's just going all over the place and things like that. But, you know, it's teaching new gener the next generation to different things. And that's where I see the other change coming from. I see a lot of people doing homeschooling, right, origin going back to the roots of homeschooling and teaching their children the correct things, not what's trying to be taught to them and everything else. You know, so on my side of the social media platforms, the amount of with the emails and things that we get, I see just a different thing. And I see it happening across the world. Right. It's not just happening, for example, in Arizona. It's happening all over the world. People are just pretty much fed up and they want different things and they want solutions. And, you know, I feel like this whole change is going to keep occurring. And that's why they spend, you know, so much money trying to do all the stuff to the skies and weather and, and even these towers, right? I was, I was talking about it on the Terrain Theory podcast with the one you were mentioning. The towers, I think, are just to invert the frequency to try to bring them, bring it down, right? Because the frequency is going up. I mean, people are having epiphanies. People are getting into books. You know, I'm a big one on, and I'll just show this book here without tipping over my thing, but I'm a big one on collecting books, right? This is the World Fair 1893. It shows all the electrical devices in the World Fair at 1893 in Chicago. It shows every single one. And what's what I think, as I've talked about this topic, then other people go and buy books and collect and then start understanding. 
and then send me a message of devices in which they're creating. Right. So it just it's I feel like it's all just you have to put out information. We all have to. Right. Everybody has knowledge. Every person has something to contribute. And we really have to take a stand to do that, because if we don't. Right. Then, like, for example, if this book was never published. Right. Or ever put out all of this information is gone. And I think of that's the perfect thing of even just doing this podcast and social media is the ability for us to connect on so many different topics and to learn from one another. And that's also what this whole system is fearful, right? If everybody starts getting into abundance and they take care of their water, they take care of their food, they take care of their energy, how do you control them? You can't because all of those three things are covered. And that's pretty much been, I feel like, my mission talking about these things, like trying to provide that so that there's just get rid of the fear, right? Because there's so many positive things happening all the time, but they're just never featured, you know? And I think that's a really important thing to always remember because, you know, even, you know, growing up, like they just, it's just the same stuff. They just keep bombarding you with all the stuff. And a lot of the stuff too, that we learn about is very boring. When you get into these, these other topics, they're very fun. It's cool to learn all these fun things. And I feel like so many other kids as well would also be interested in learning these topics because it's opening up the creative mind. And I think as we open up the creative mind, it's also going to bring forward inventions, bring forward new ideas, and really change our whole path going forward on the positive versus you know the darkness over here. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And even thinking of the next generations, there's there's uh you know, I have a buddy, Tucker Max, who was on the podcast who started, you know, he, he, he was talking about, even if I'm wrong about all this shit that I see in the world, uh, and I look back on the changes that I made, we, we started a Steiner-based school that where the kids were outdoors every day. We taught them survival skills, how to hunt, how to grow their own food. We did a biodynamic farm that was 300 acres that the kids got to participate in. He's like, where in that was the mistake made? You know, like there's no... There's no regrets. There's no remorse about choosing to live in that way. And I understand not everybody listening to this can, can go out and start a farm. Uh, but even just being connected, you know, like for a long time, um, but it's been a year since I've been into farming, you know, but I've been into it before that. We'd go out to, to Rome Ranch, who does the regenerative bison farm out in Fredericksburg and um, co-founded Force of Nature. And they're doing amazing things. And I'd go out there with my son and we'd split, uh, I'd split a, a cow a bison with, with a, the owner Taylor and he sat on my lap and we witnessed her get shot at 20 yards, you know, right in front of us and went over and prayed for her and held her and felt her warm body as she went. Like we reconnected to the food in that way. Uh, we hit up farmer's markets and found places that actually were doing it right. Like, Oh, cool, man. Can I come see your bees? Can I come look at your produce? Can we pick apples one day? I think just, there's so many little ways in which we can reconnect that, that is empowering because it, it's, it's a lifting thing to know where your food comes from. It's a lifting thing to know. Like we, we, I, I was out in uh, Costa Rica for, for a week-long uh, journey with ayahuasca. And on Twitter, I watched the, the, one of the largest dairy farms in Texas blow up. Mushroom cloud. It's on video. 18,000 cows burn. And I was like, damn, dude, I need to get dairy cows. And then as I really sat with that, I was like, no, I need to support the place that we go for our milk, for our raw Jersey cow milk. I need to continue to support those guys. And, um, you know, that, that is a connection. It's a relationship. And I think it's just much more than just picking up milk from a delivery service as we go out there and my son gets to hang out with the cows that we're drinking milk from, you know, we get to see the cheese making process. We get to be, we get to participate in all these things. 
that normally there's a disconnect from. And I think that that in and of itself, you know, you talk, you talked about that on the terrain theory, you just buy the thing at the grocery store, it's already picked for you or worse, you have it delivered and, and, you know, you've missed out on all of the work that it took to actually bring that to life, you know, and, and, uh, and we've got a 10th of an acre here in the backyard as we're building our house in, in Lockhart. And, you know, we've got several trees that we've bought. Some are young, some are older and more expensive, but I just put in last year, I put in four $30 crepe myrtles. And they're a, a tree that flowers twice a year. The pollinators love them. They smell great. And last year they weren't growing at all. They were just rooting down deep. And now we're looking at them. They've doubled in size. And like my, that's something my kids pay attention to. They're like, wow, look at this one, daddy. You know, and it's like, Fuck yeah. And we're not even going to eat from that, but that's going to feed the, the, the rest of the ecology, right? It's going to bring in the bees and the hummingbirds and the butterflies. And that's an awesome thing to have a relationship with. Yeah. And I completely agree with you because that's the relationship we've lost, right? And I'm just looking right now, there's a road runner in front of me and it's trying to figure out how to cross the road literally right down <laughs> below me, you know, and that's part of, you know, we've lost touch, right? We're, 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 we're moving fast. We're in our cars, where all of this move, 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 but we've lost touch with everything, like you just said, of connecting to the roots, right? Where did the food come from? How was it sourced? How was it grown? What process did it go through? You know, being connected, right? And that's where I think when we start growing all of our own food, or at least even just a percentage or, or, or whatever, even half, right? You now know how much work goes into that food, right? All of the love, all of the care, all of the energy that goes into that food before it comes, before you get that one bell pepper, right? You know how much that, that that goes through and all of the energy. And that's the other part that we've been disconnected from because of the convenience of things being directly at our fingertips sometimes. And that's the thing with the grocery store is you don't know, right? It says a little farm, but it might not be true. And I saw that actually with White Oak Pastures on Instagram. They were saying that they were rebranding, someone protesting, sorry, but there's um, there was re- rebranding like the meat and then saying it was white oak pastures and it was step five. And the, the, the guy who owns the farm said, that's not even our meat. We stopped selling to them, you know, a year ago. So then here's yeah. another question is you're going to the store. Are you really purchasing from who you're supporting? You know, and then how much money is actually going to that farmer? Right. Because I did a thing where I was looking it up only at the grocery store. The farmer only gets about 13 percent right? Of whatever you spend. So, you know, when you think about it that way, buy a $10 item and you only give them about $1.30, you know, that's not a lot for that farmer to support them. But if you go to the farmer's market, like you were talking about, or connecting, you're giving almost 97 to 99% of your money directly towards them and supporting that. And like you said, supporting the raw milk movement instead of the pasteurized toxic movement, right? And the pasteurization was just a whole ploy to just, you know, microwave our food and cook it and and ruin it and all these things. So, you know, we really have to start, you know, being aware of all these things because otherwise we're then just not connected and we're not seeing all this. And then we're just kind of, we're kind of blind to it. We're not paying attention and we have to pay attention because if we don't, we're just leading ourselves into this very weird situation, which was, if we remember all 2020, very weird situation. And then it just keeps repeating. But I see it as we can break all of those cycles and break these repetitive things, right? Because even 1976 was the exact same playbook as 2020, right? You can see these same things. And as we go into these cycles of time, like you were talking about, it's the same playbook every 20 to 25 years, 
You're talking about the, the financial play from yeah, 1976. Yeah. And, and shutdowns and food shortages and meat shortages and energy crisis and you know, oil crisis. And, you know, things are running out. It's the same cycle. But the only reason those cycles take place is because we're giving our power away to somebody else. Right. That's kind of how I see it. And as we take back our power, then we don't have to be dependent. But in about the 1920s, 1930s, when a lot of things occurred, they were trying to get us off the land, get us disconnected from our food, get us away from those things so that we can be then more dependent on this current system. But I see it as a complete shift happening and us going a completely different way. I love it, brother. Well, where can people follow you? You've got some great products as well. Let me give you some time to talk about that. Um, I think these are important because they're not super well known. I mean, the first time I heard you talk about Dragon's Blood, I think I'd only heard Chervine and uh, and David Avocado Wolf mention it in the past. So I'd love for you to talk a bit about that, the auric value and, and what you guys offer and then where people can find you online. That'd be fantastic. Of course. So you can find us on cultivateelevate.com and we have a, a page called slash electroculture that has all the information related to electroculture with FAQs, every answer, every everything, you know, videos, all different things. So if people have questions, I try to put as much out as I can to demonstrate those things. But we have a, a wide variety of superfoods on our page. And I'm big into trying to heal certain pathways, which are missing nutrients, because that's what I've started to realize when I was in the fitness world. And I created a lot of synthetic things, right? Because that's what I was in at that time. I was in the gym world. You know, I didn't realize the feeding the pathways situation. I understood how to crank you up, right? I know how to make you strong and powerful, but you know, certain things were missing. At least that's how I see things now. And now I'm big into feeding the pathways, feeding the organs, things that are missing. So we have two great products, which are pretty, we have a bunch of them, but our two great, great products that I like to talk about the most is pearl powder and dragon's blood. And those two have pretty much, you know, we, we have had so much success with these two. And I, I, I talk about them because they've been healing a lot of people with skin issues, with eyesight issues, with pain, with inflammation, with teeth issues. You know, it was interesting when, when you go into, for example, dragon's blood, right? Dragon's blood is from the Draco tree. It was an ancient tree sap that they used to put on wounds and it would heal that wound within 72 hours, right? And they showed all these different studies where with uh, anything of the control, it would take about 14 days, but dragon's blood would heal somebody within 72 hours. And the auric value, which I think is very, very fascinating. We know, you know, blueberries is about 10,000. Chaga is about 50,000. Ginger is about, it's about 300,000. And then dragon's blood is 3 million, right? So the antioxidant value is just absolutely off the charts. It covers so many different pathways from your, your, your guts to your skin, to your brain, to every part, right? The connective tissue. And it's interesting because it'll actually float on water similar to monatomics, right? Because that's that the collodial state, as we were taught as well, too. But with that, you know, dragon's blood can be applied topically. You can turn it into a lotion. You can add it to coconut, uh, coconut oil or shea butter, put it on your skin. If you're having any types of skin issues, we've had a ton of people who've had eczema, and it's all completely has been healed from just using dragon's blood. And I show all the pictures and the videos within 30 days, trying almost every single product and then trying dragon's blood and it's fixed them. Um, so we're big on that. And then it's just a very interesting superfood. When you look at the tree itself, it's this big, beautiful tree that grows all over the world. And it, it relates to Atlantis, right? Back when the Atlantean times were around, there was this big, beautiful tree. And then it pretty much got dispersed all over. And that is the Draco tree. So that's where dragon's blood comes from. And it, since it's a sap, 
It's like turpentine or maple syrup, right? Those are two different ones with the sap. Very beneficial, very healing. And then on the other hand, I always talk about our pearl powder. And pearl is very fascinating because it provides the body with nutrients in the carbonated form, right? Magnesium, selenium, calcium. It also is very great at boosting glutathione levels. There's so many studies showing that as well, too. But what's really cool is how it can heal the eyes, right? There was a lady who she did a study where people were having cataracts, they were having eye issues, and they started consuming pearl powder, and there were about 100 of them. And she had a 70% 70, 70 success rate after about two months of using pearl powder and rubbing it around the eyes, and their cataracts were completely gone. And, you know, with our eyes, I've realized we don't really have many nutrients for the eyes, right? It's the last thing always to get nutrients, just like our hair, our skin, and our nails. So pearl can work really well at healing the eyes and also repairing the hair and all of the connective tissues of our body, right? Because those are all being broken down with these the frequencies in our terrain, and we need to repair those connective tissues so that they can begin to heal. And the most fascinating fact I ever learned about pearl was that people used to replace their teeth with the Mayan culture with pearls. And that's where the pearly white came from, right? You know, everybody's got pearly whites because they used to have pearls in their mouth. You know, so if we can put pearls in our mouth, then imagine, you know, that industry, that industry can be completely changed as well, where we're not putting polymers and plastics from DuPont and things like that. So pearl is another magical superfood. But I'm just big on every time I try to come out with something new, I'm trying to figure out which pathway I can provide nutrients to and how I can feed that area. And then all of our stuff, we use it with kids, we use it with dogs, use it with cats. You know, a lot of people use our pearl powder with cats and dogs. They use dragon's blood with cats and dogs as well, too. We have people who are now giving pearl to horses, right, to help their horses because their horses are struggling as well. But, you know, I'm always big on just trying to find a solution to a pathway in which needs nutrients because, you know, we can try to take something in a singular form, but it's very difficult for us to absorb those things in a singular form because like you were saying in the middle of this, if you're just taking zinc, then you need copper. And if you take copper, you need this. And then it's all these different things. And then all of a sudden your closet looks like you got like 500 things there, you know, and whatever. Versus if we just stick to things derived from nature and from food, it gives us everything at the same time instead of trying to take 25 different things at the same time. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm already thinking about my dog with the with the uh, pearl powder. And actually, have I've had a white spot on my leg that was told as eczema. It doesn't itch. But I've had that for some time, so I'm going to give a go with the dragon's blood, and I'll, I'll uh, be sure to hit you up with some photos here in a month. For sure. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a remarkable one, that's for sure. It's, I had one lady, her hand was so burned. It was, it was just it was horrible from the her eczema, and she couldn't even play with her child. You know, it was horrible. And she reached out, and she thought, you know, she asked, what it, do you think it would help? I said, you should give it a try. You know, it's just worth giving it a try. 30 days later, her hand is completely healed and it's just absolutely remarkable. And she, you know, it was horrible because she said, I've went through so many things. They put ointments and creams and all kinds of stuff. She's like two capsules a day for 30 days. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's remarkable. That's incredible, brother. Well, it's been great having you on. This will be uh, the first of many, I hope. Uh, I'd love to have you at the farm at some point. And um, yeah, I'm going to keep you posted as we, we to continue to implement the electric culture on a larger scale. And, um, and I'll also let you know how the supplements go too, because I'm pretty stoked to give them a try. Cool. That works. And yeah, we'll definitely do a lot more. We can talk. I, the topics can go into a lot of different things. It's just all trying to pack one into a, into a one episode. You got it, brother. Much appreciated. Thank you.